Well, good morning, y'all. Uh, if you're visiting, thank you for joining us. My name is Peter. I serve as the lead pastor of the Springs. And really, honestly, it is a big thing for you to join us. So thank you, especially on the kickoff weekend of the NFL. It's the league that people watch if they're, if, they, if they're too busy to watch college football. More important than the NFL launching, I'm excited about our new series we're starting today. We're launching a new site in Austin, new site of our church. And at the same time, we're launching in all our, both of our sites, we're launching a new series entitled Launch. Now, if you're taking notes, the title of this first message in our launch series is New Perspective. Now, how many of y'all know that sometimes a fresh perspective comes best with old wisdom? So often that is the case. And so today, as we launch into this new series and I start my sermon, the first sermon in our new series, I want to give you an old school declaration that I hope serves to give you some perspective and I hope blesses you. But listen, if you don't receive this as your own and claim it over yourself, it has little potency. And I've been praying that this moment, that this declaration wouldn't be lost on anyone here. Are y'all ready for this old school declaration? It's a new season. It's a new day. Come on, somebody. A fresh anointing is flowing my way. It's a season of power and prosperity. Because it's a new season coming to me. Let's stand up with me. Declare that over your life. Ready? (laughs) Come on, sing. It's a new season. Sing it with faith. It's a new day. I feel it. A fresh anointing is flowing my way. A season of power. It's a season of... Got to do this. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. It's a new season. It's a new season coming to me. Sing it again until you believe it. It's a new season coming to me. Coming to me. One more time. It's a new season coming to me. Yes. Stay on your feet. Stay on your feet. We're going to get right to God's word because listen, any declaration without true founding is just futile. And we don't want to sound good like y'all sound with futility. But listen, if we align ourselves with the promises of God's word, we're on solid ground when we declare things over our life. And that's why I want to open to Acts chapter 1. And my heart for Acts chapter 1 and our whole series as we launch into new things and a new season is that we study Acts 1 and 2 and see the Holy Spirit who inspired this book is the same person who's going to apply it to your life, to mine, to people around you at work and in your family. And just as he, the person of the Holy Spirit, launched the church into a new season from Pentecost and moving forward, the season that we're still in, we are also in another season in our church. And I pray that he effectively, how many of y'all know that it was a new season for them? 
Anytime your leader who you thought was going to take over the world that then all of a sudden is dead and you're mourning in a room together with your friends and that same dead guy starts walking through walls and saying hello and stuff, come on, it's a new season for you. And you can have some fresh expectation and perspective. And that's where we are. We pick up in Acts chapter 1, verse 1. And Luke, the writer of this book, is addressing Theophilus in verse 1, the guy he uh, researched and gave the account for. And he says, verse 1, In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. He's referring to the gospel account of Luke, first book. And he says, until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands to the Holy Spirit, to the the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them to not depart from Jerusalem, but to wait. Everybody say, wait. To wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Everyone say, not many days from now. now. Verse 6. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times of the season that that the Father has affixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Thank you. You all can be seated as we pray. Lord, please add a blessing to the reading of your word. And Holy Spirit, truly launch us into a new season of power and of heavenly blessing and heavenly desire and heavenly waiting in faith for your kingdom and not our own. If you can agree with that, say amen. So with our time remaining, with our next 20 or 30 minutes or so, as I unpack what we just read, especially the last three or four verses, I want to ask and answer three basic questions about this in regards to a new perspective. And that is, why did the disciples need a new perspective here in Acts chapter 1? Number two, why do we as well need a new perspective? And then finally, how? How do we gain a new perspective? So let's get to that first question. Here here goes that first question. Why did the disciples here need a fresh perspective for the new season they were in that they weren't necessarily aware of. Check this out, verse 6. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? A few important things about this very verse, a misunderstanding about their perspective, is this phrase, at this time, and also this whole thing about restoring the kingdom of Israel In a political sense is what they meant. So why did the disciples need a new perspective? Well, they asked Jesus this question, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And the answer to that question was yes. But then again, no, not according to your perspective. 
And the big danger in this was that God was in the middle of doing everything that he had promised for almost a thousand years before this through various prophets. He was in the middle of fulfilling all that he had spoken through his prophets about the Messiah. And if they didn't get a new perspective for what he was doing and how he was doing it, they were going to miss out on everything. And sadly, this is common for all of humanity in all times, including for us today, that God is, is in the middle of fulfilling his promise to us and very specifically answering particular prayers that we've prayed, and yet we don't see it so often because our perspective is skewed for what he's doing and how he's doing it. And this was the issue, not only with the, this is what's crazy, not only with most, the majority of the first century Jews at the time of this writing, but even specifically the very disciples who had been walking with Jesus and seeing him dead and then not dead, and they had seen all these miracles, and yet their perspective was still skewed. They needed desperately a new perspective. He was going to do something so much deeper than just external, superficial, political things, and something that lasted so much longer than at this time that they were so obsessed with, but their perspective was limiting them. They were so bound by, the, by their old perspective that if something didn't change, they would have waited around forever for something that was never gonna happen. And you know what? That whole disposition is still a danger to us today. If they wouldn't have been, had their whole perspective rearranged by God's power, they would have just continued in a fruitless pursuit of lesser goods, religious goods, seemingly moral goods, but lesser goods other than God's kingdom. And honestly, y'all, that's not too different than us. God is moving on the earth in every nation in the midst of all peoples. He's doing profound things often that we don't see. And if we don't adjust the lens through which we see the world and our life and our purpose in the world that God has created for us, if we don't make an adjustment, if we don't see an adjustment made to our perspective, then we'll miss out on everything. So to answer question one, Jesus' disciples needed a new perspective so that they didn't miss out on everything that they'd worked for, waited for, longed for, and prayed for. That's the answer to question one. So what about question two? Question two is, why do we need a new perspective today? Well, really, it's the same thing. So that today, so that we don't miss out. Now, it feels so impossible in the middle of an election year, in the middle of fall, to not reference the obvious application that Jesus' kingdom is still not a political kingdom. And I have to point that out. And I'm going to linger on this issue for another minute here. Um, and uh, y'all might be feeling like, Pastor Peter, I've invited this person to church and they finally came and now we're talking about politics. Okay, now hold on for a second. Because as painful as it's been for me this year, extra painful uh, to watch the whole political scene and all the shenanigans and the disunity and disdain and just ugliness, I think at least all of this political mess this year has served, I hope, to extremely clarify that Jesus is not a Republican or a Democrat or, sorry, or a Libertarian. Jesus is Green Party. No. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus is 
I had, to, I had to do that for my organ people where I come from. Jesus is so much above. He's so much better and bigger than all of this mess on the earth. And here's one huge difference between Jesus and everyone else. So I say, and it's this, Jesus doesn't have any term limits on his reign. He doesn't have any term limits. He doesn't have to be reelected in a few years. And nonetheless, he is not trying to just serve the most immediate need. That's the irony between the earthly leaders today that need re-election and therefore try to do things that serve their re-election, the things that would only really benefit two to four years from now. Jesus is going to reign forever, and yet he is not locked up in the immediacy and the anxieties of today. He understands how he's using things for eternity. The perspective that we're talking about today is all about the internal versus superficial external things. And it's all about the temporary versus the eternal things. We are so fixed on the temporary and the external. And yet Jesus is active in his eternal plan to transform internally the hearts of people from every tribe and tongue. And he will even use all of the political mess and the failings of nations at large like Rome that, will, that has fallen and United States that will eventually fall. He will use all of the sufferings for his eternal kingdom. His sovereign plans are so much deeper and outlast all of the other things that we, uh, that we worry about today. And to, to the degree that you can grasp that is the degree to which you will be able to live with the anxieties of today and surrender them to him and have peace today, even amidst suffering and stress. But you're going to need a new perspective You see, it's our limited perspective. It's our old perspective of who he is and what he's wanting to do in the earth at large that causes so much of the anxiety in us as we look at the world and the politics and the economy and our jobs. It's really ultimately comes down to a an old perspective of who Jesus is and what he is doing in the world today, tomorrow, forever. See, our political anxieties are just one of many symptoms of the things, the reasons why we need a deeper, uh, a greater diagnosis of our perspective and our need. My wife, my beautiful wife, who is just on the platform preaching way better than me, uh, she's a dietitian. And when she has clients that, that come to her, she usually likes to have them do a, a food log so she can track kind of their relationship with life and food and, and, and what they like to eat and just kind of examine them for a while, see how they live life. And typically when she examines people, she, she can see that people have a tendency, all of us in general, to misdiagnose uh, their problems as ex- external issues. They misdiagnose, we, we tend to misdiagnose our issues, our eating, our things as external issues. And that's why people tend to jump from diet to diet, my, what my wife calls compulsive dieting. And uh, tend to therefore vilify food groups and to moderate all the different uh, external habits in their lives instead of dealing with the deeper inner turmoils that lead to these cycles of external modifications. And Usually it's these emotional issues at the core that fuels the thought, the misunderstanding that food is my enemy 
or that I have to compulsively jump from one habit to another. And it fuels that, that misunderstanding and tends to leave people alienated from relationship because of food and, and just misunderstandings, alienated from relationship and feeling powerless. And listen, in this moment, the last thing that people need in this place is another external modification or another diet. That's the last thing they need. They need really ultimately to, to know a deeper perspective. They need to know a, a new perspective about food, about their bodies, about their worth, about their souls. And that's what my beautiful wife is able to offer them. Something so much deeper than just another modification. Something so much more liberating. So why do we need a new perspective as we look out on the earth, as we consider our lives, as we try to, to, to have new efforts about our habits? We need, more than anything, a new perspective because we too, in the various issues of our life, we tend to misdiagnose external things and, and misunderstand that there are internal realities that God is wanting to get to. And if we don't connect to God's deeper perspective and his desire for our lives and how he sees us in the world, we'll be bound to jump from one external compulsion and modification to another when it comes to what we eat or what we do or how we exist and relate to other people. Let me give you an example of how this was true in my life and, and what God has been doing this summer. About a year and a half ago, uh, my wife and I sold our house. And let me back up a little bit more. Um, About four years ago, we were diagnosed as infertile and uh, adopted our son, Asa. And right away, Jesus and our fertility doctor had an indirect disagreement about the status of our fertility. And Jesus always wins those arguments. And he, we conceived uh, Alma, and then we conceived again. Uh, I, uh, we had some amazing blessing and stress with three under three in the last year. And then Raising the little, what we call our Deuce animals. My last name is Dusan. Uh, so we sold our house last year to move closer to family that could help us. Um, and we've been, as we're waiting to build our house, so we've been uh, living in a one-bedroom apartment uh, with the six of us, and it's been pretty stressful. And what I've noticed this last year is just a pattern of anger arise in me. And the thing about my kids is they tend to act their age. That's what they do. They're kids. Uh, and I, I found myself just viciously yelling at them at different times and lots of moments from like, God, this has to stop. And so I did what the Bible tells us to do. Confess your sin to one another and pray for one another that you might be healed. James 5.13. And I went to my growth group and prayed and some of the guys in my growth group want to let me off the hook a little too easy. You know, they, they want to say, uh, you know, it's just the stress. You live in a one bedroom apartment with all your family. It's just the stress around you. It's okay. Uh, others uh, are, are more like what the Lord's been telling me. Like, no, this is a problem and it has to be dealt with. So about three or four weeks ago, I went with some of the other men in our church to a, a men's retreat. And there was a teaching there that I'm going to reiterate to you because it'll be the best part of, I'm going to borrow Dr. Greg's teaching and share it with you. This will be the best part of my teaching right now. Here's what happened with me. I came in with the perspective that I had anger issues. First thing that, uh, that Dr. Greg at our men's retreat shared He said, men tend to misdiagnose all their external issues with anger and lust and all sorts of things. But the real core issue with everything is anxiety. He began to teach, he said, anxiety is most often expressed in the immediacy of life. 
right? You're anxious about things that are just uh, right in front of you. He says, but faith, faith in God, if you read the Bible, if you see in, in experience, faith is most often expressed in long quantities of time. And he began to teach about the difference between anxiety and stress. He, he, he began to teach about how there's a difference between stress and anxiety. You can have a person that has a lot of stress and yet a little bit of anxiety. And comparatively, in contrast, people that have all sorts of anxiety, even though they don't really have a lot of stress, because stress deals with external things in your life and circumstances in your life, whereas anxieties are things that are deep in your soul that express themselves externally. And so typically we, we deal with stress instead of the anxieties. We deal with the external things because that's our perspective. It's skewed, and we try to deal with those things. He goes on to teach, and he says this. And this is so poignant to me. He says, let me give you an example. So many men try to fight anger issues externally with behavior modification. When really, you need to ask the Holy Spirit, what is that deeper thing inside of you, that fear or anxiety that you need to surrender to God? And so throughout the weekend, long story short, my issue was bigger uh, and deeper than anger. In fact, my sin was worse. Really, I had a deep struggle to trust God, the person of God, for my life, for my family, for my church. And that's what was exposed in all of this. And as strange as it sounds, it was extremely liberating to gain a new perspective that my problem was worse and more sinful than I thought before. And this is the only way I can explain it. Jesus says, he says, it is not the well who need a physician, but the sick. And Jesus is not implying that any of us are well. What he's saying is that until you can deal with the fact that you have a deep heart sickness, and you can deal with the fact that your external modifications only make the problem worse, then you won't go to the physician for the true and profound healing that you need and that is offered to you. We need a new perspective. More than anything, we need a new perspective to deal with our inner anxiety so that we can be repositioned. And we're going to talk about these things and what God wants to do with us when he renews our perspective. But so that we can be set up to be useful in the world. So that God is not just trying to change our external stresses, but he wants to use the stresses of your life to position you for power as he positions you in the earth and the people that you're going to influence. He wants to first give you a new perspective. So that leads me to my final question. How? How do we gain a new perspective? Well, first of all, uh, very simple. You have to acknowledge what your perspective is. Can you acknowledge as you see the world, as you look at the, uh, the issue between internal, external, between temporary and eternal things, can you uh, examine the lenses through which you see the world and that you garner different anxieties and stresses and fears? Can you just kind of at least acknowledge your different lenses? As far as you see the world and your place in the world and your purpose for living and taking up space and air and, and all that stuff, what, what, is the way, what are the different ways you see the world? I have a, 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 an American lens I've come to see. I have a, 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 diff, a distinct American lens through which I see the world. I have a dad lens. I have a white guy lens that I'm starting to see uh, uh, affects the way I see things. Um, I have a jock lens, sports, I like sports, and I don't care who knows. And all of this 
can either help or hinder my ability to see the way God sees the world depending on whether or not I acknowledge it. So what are some of the, the ways that affect how you see the world, the, the, the lenses through which you see it? You have to first acknowledge it. And second, you have to acknowledge that it is flawed or incomplete somehow. Okay, so check this out. They go to Jesus and they say, well, uh, Jesus, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Verse 7, Jesus says, it is not for you to know. It's pretty harsh. It's not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. So their deep anxieties about the world and about their uh, perceived citizenship in this political kingdom of Israel that was dead and gone, but they were still trying to hold on to it. Their perception was flawed. And Jesus immediately corrected that. And what followed, as we see in the coming weeks, is that they were able to go with that correction. And even though he didn't give them just specific instructions, like, okay, here's the way you see things wrong. Here's some things that you need to see instead. Here's four good books for you to read by next Tuesday. You know, he didn't give them any of that stuff. He just said, look, you're seeing everything wrong. So stop it and go wait over there for a while. How long? Just for, until I say. And they did it. <laughs> Look, they waited. And, and what we're going to unpack in the next several weeks and what happened in the kingdom of God that we're still receiving the fruit of is that they waited. They acknowledged that their, their perspective was limited. And they did what Jesus said to wait on something better. And because of what they received and what we're continuing to be able to receive, they saw power come through them. Now, my story growing up uh, is, and still today, is a story of so many different readjustments to my perspective, of, of acknowledging that my perspective has been limited. And not only is my perspective limited, but I can't do anything to change it. What was God's instructions? Go wait. I feel powerless. I want to do something about it. I want to activate a solution to my problem right now. And God said, no, I'm the activator. We're just supposed to wait. And that's my story in so many different ways from, from my, at first with my new perspective and my, upon my conversion to this morning, to I'm sure tomorrow and the next day. But it's a, a series of God graciously, when I'm dependent on him, giving me renewed perspective. And it started uh, as I grew up religious. I grew up really religious and trying to do right things and, and uh, going to mass every once in a while and, and being a good person in my own perspective. Other people was the next guy, but according to my morality, I sure felt good about myself, but couldn't explain why I was still nonetheless so insecure and always had to prove myself to other people, improve my worth. And I tried to improve myself. In fact, when I graduated from eighth grade, I asked my mom to buy me a Bible and put my name on it. She was so happy to do that, of course. I kind of knew I was kind of buttering her up at the time to get away with more. Uh, but I, honestly, there was a part of me that really wanted a new perspective and to, to learn some things and improve myself. And no matter how much I didn't really read my Bible, but I read a little bit, uh, my best effort wasn't enough. And that's the thing. Not only is our perspective flawed, but our best effort to change it is flawed. And that was my life. None of the things I did to improve myself worked, but 
That's the story of Jesus and how he's better than everything else. When I couldn't get to him and find a new perspective, he came to me. He preached the gospel to me through a student-led Bible study. And literally everything got, I could, I've never been the same. I can't explain why I see things different. I can just sing. I can, I can see clearly now. It was literally like coming off. That song was originally written. The, the guy came out of drugs. I was literally able to see things. And I wish someone would have sat me down and explained, hey, Peter, this thing that you see now, it's not just because uh, you, you're smarter now and that you started to really consider things better now. I wish someone would have explained to me that, look, God Uh, rearranged, gave you a new perspective, literally made you alive, regenerated you, and it's not just because you're better and smarter now. If I would have known that, it would have been a little bit better how I related to other people. Because people on my baseball team, everyone who didn't all of a sudden see things like I did, I was just like, come on, man. You need Jesus or you're going to go to hell? Are you stupid or something? And apparently that didn't work out. It wasn't just that they needed to go fix their perspective on their own. They needed a miracle. And if I would have been reverent enough to see that I got that, I would have been more effective. But that wasn't me. So I did what any 14-year-old would do in my situation to influence others. I bought a shirt. Does anyone remember in the 1990s the uh, Ford jingle? Have you driven a Ford lately? All right, this is very shameful, but I bought a shirt that had totally ripped off the Ford trademark, and it said, Lord. And the shirt said, have you considered the Lord lately? I don't know what I was thinking. I guess I thought that someone was going to come up to me and be like, dude, I was just coming to school today, and I saw your shirt, and all of a sudden I realized, man, my sin is wretched and wicked, and I need a perfect Savior to atone for the consequences of my eternal shame. And I didn't consider that until I saw your shirt. Can you baptize me now? I don't know what I was thinking. But the shirt didn't convert anybody. True story. And here's the thing. Just like I didn't see and what you need is you can't launch yourself into a new season of your life with a new perspective. You need God. Remember your New Year's resolutions? How are those working out for you? It's September now. Look, now, if relying on your own resolve to conquer goals of annual value are futile, how much more... Things of eternal value. And for a new perspective and for God's perspective for your life, it's gained through relationship. Look at this verse 8 again. He says, It's not for you to know the seasons the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And, and listen, they would have never thought some of the things that we think uh, when we hear of the Holy Spirit. We think of some mystical force because we've been watching too much Star Wars. They knew that there was a particular person that was going to come. And look, when you gain a new perspective, isn't it, isn't it always through a person? It's less mystical and more relational. God doesn't want you to just grab a new perspective out of thin air, some new idea that you just garner. It's a person. He is a person that wants to give you something through relationship with him. In fact, everything else that he does is always through relationship. 
I mean, he even uses your flawed perspective and another person's flawed perspective. And through the, uh, the difficulty of conversation with other people, you're, you're left to see the limitations of your own perspective. And that you, you come across the aisle and you see God's perspective and the other person's perspective. Through lots of pain, marriage. And lots of joy, marriage. And that's like anything else. I mean, look, this summer, all the racial tensions... Black, white, stuff with cops. I mean, it's been difficult. I think all of us have been saying, what's going on in our nation? And look, if you ask that question and allow Facebook to answer it, oh my goodness. But if you get the gift of God and his people in conversation, it doesn't mean that that next person for sure has a flawless perspective. None of us do. But God can do a new thing in a new season in his perspective through other people. And we're going to talk a lot in the coming weeks about how this is unveiled and the power and the positioning that's involved with what God does. But you can know that it's all through relationship. And first and foremost, you don't need to come back to church next week to know that right here and now the gospel is so scandalously simple that God can, even as we're sitting here right now, can reorient you to right and reconcile the relationship with himself and others by simply saying, God, make me new. Make me right with you right now. He can change your perspective. He can change you. He can reconcile relationship. But then look, the way that he uses your life to not be wasted and how he grows you in the context of other people, you do have to come back for next week. And, and I won't spoil too much in saying that when he told them your perspective's off and he says, I'm going to give you some power, they received that as they were waiting together on him. And they were praying together. And how much is that like our, the goal of our growth groups? We go over our sermons in all of our 30 growth groups in, our, in Austin and San Marcos. We, we talk through our sermons. We pray. But look, we pray to God with each other about each other's needs. And we pray for people who are not yet in our growth groups and in our church. We do that over and over and over again. And God renews our perspective, grows us, sets us up for power. And as we draw to a close, I want to honor some people who've taken our growth groups and our growth steps Seriously, and I want to honor you even as I invite the rest of us to continue growing together in growth groups and taking growth steps. If you this summer have completed established, which is our growth step number two, I want you to just stand to your feet where you are, and I want to receive you as a new member, and, and I want to pray for you. You can go ahead and stand right now where you are. You didn't know I was embarrassing you unless you read your email. Again, y'all are glad that you looked extra good today. I want to pray for you and receive you as covenant members of our church and bless you, okay? Lord, we thank you for covenant membership that you said I do long before we did. Uh, You committed yourself to us and for the joy set before you, you endured the cross so that we could be reconciled to you so that our flawed perspective that leads to alienation would be Uh, drawn and renewed before you, that we could be set up to be reconcilers to you and to others. Lord, we receive these new members. We thank you. We ask that you would bless them, that you would position them for power, and that you would give them new anointing 
to love you, to know you, and to make you known. In Jesus' name, amen. Can everyone else stand to your feet with me? I want to bless you as we dismiss, and I want to invite you. The title of our, our today was New Perspective. The title of our sermon next week is New Something. You have to come back next week to find out what it is. But look, God is doing a new thing in us. And our hope is that no one misses out on what he's doing, especially through relationships. If you need to have more information about our growth groups, don't be in a hurry to leave. We have a bunch of new growth groups that have started to serve you so that we can grow together. I'm going to bless you as we dismiss. May Jesus bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Our joy boxes in the back, our connections table if you have any questions or your connections cards, we're dismissed.